This episode contains sexual content and acts of violence. Content is for adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say no prayers for me, cause I'm exactly where I want to be. Welcome to the Morbid Forest. Travelers, gather round. So Ranger Harper here can show you your next station for today's activities. Who's excited? <laughs> now today we're going to be talking about metamorphosis. Now like a butterfly, you can blossom into a beautiful specimen with a little bit of love and a little bit of creativity. You'll have the next few minutes to work through this station and create something truly special before we move along the path. <laughs> okay, does everyone understand your assignment for today? Awesome. Your station's activity is called Dear Boss. Dear boss, at last my friend we meet. If you are reading this by chance, you have finally uncovered my identity. And for that, I congratulate you. I do only pray the worms have not made place to these pages. At last to omit and uplift these stones of truth and wisdom soothes my heavy heart. I must confess, I never thought it would end the way it had, but I am overjoyed to know that there is a petulant soul such as mine who will shoulder this eternally by my side. Now, the question at the forefront, the one that I'm sure you've been dying to ask, is 
the simplest with the simplest reply. What would cause a man to commit these grisly acts? The answer, my dear boss, is as sweet as any queen's cake. A woman. Like the fall of Adam, I did this all for my Eve. Whitechapel was all my family knew and thus would ever know. My father was not a wealthy man, nor his father before. Thus Whitechapel and all its temperamental city brooding was all we could afford. My father was no father at all. The sum of all the afford deficiencies. A carpenter by trade. Drunk by nature. A heavy-handed man whom I learned little from and quite happier for his early passing. Me mum was of silent aptitude. A seamstress in trade. She was kind to every person, whether milkman or common whore. If they passed her way down the cobbled market, her smile would brighten their day. My father, with the nature of a snake, wed her, bedded her, gave her child, and felt his duties were thus fulfilled. A man's job completed, conceded to fanciful pleasings with those same whores who soaked the cobblestone roads. I was a mild youth with little concern for fellows on my grade. At a young age, I roamed the dreary hollows for obscure and devilish oddities that puzzled my mind. Whether a dead cat lie in putrid belly up, its small stomach rising and falling with the breath of maggots, or the deadwood bodies of those ridden with the plague. My inquiries knew no bounds. My curiosities for the peculiar and endless growing hunger with every curve of these lonely east end streets. I thrived in particular within the murky depths of our industrious city. Commit to peace through my fascinations in order to escape my homestead. The constant state of anxiety which plagued my mind state, given rise by my father's turbulent hand, left me a gangly frame with a crown of brown straw which fell before my nose. No matter the means, our actions were a mere pets to my father. He desired more out of his household than what he referred to as a stump bride and a Nazi bugger. In order to ease his tempestuous head, I would travel with him at night to the brothels and the taverns, rat infesting institutions where the rights were easy on one's purse and the thrills quite ghastly. The creatures inhabiting such gallows poured at any gentle sir willing to turn an eye in the direction. They garnished themselves in thin linens, bathed their skin in rose water to mask their ungodly bodily odours, painted their hideous faces with masks of wanton lust so sickening they became unrecognisable in the dew-scented morrow. I tell you, my dear boss, the sights which I have seen. I despise them for robbing my poor innocent mother of a rightful man. Yet mostly I despise them for denying me my rightful fatherly attention. The establishment, or more appropriately, the gate of hell we entered, was filled with the fog of cigars never ceasing to make me wish to vomit. A fight was being dismantled between two men of a willing whore as we ascended to my father's nightly bed lane's chambers. Our outings were not merely for his pleasure, but a precaution in his eyes. At least I turned into a rent boy and not a proper man. That night Magdalene, the woman I loathe most in this world, waited for us at the end of the hall. Breasts in a few view as saggy as a cow ready for pasta, stood with her hips angled high and a foul expression on her already foul face. Her wild hair pulled high on her head made her neck extend like a gazelle. 
Her skin's so white, making her the apple of all the eyes but mine. She drew my father to her lair, screeching. Look what you made! You both ruined me! Who the with me now once they say Mother Nature has ruined me? She shoved my father to the bed where a small parcel rocked within thin drapes. My father, the daemon, simply laughed at the wench's face, turning on his heels and exiting her room. His bellowing laugh faded down the hall as he descended the stairway from which we came. She snapped for me to watch the bundle clomping out of the room to speak with a man who cared not to remedy the situation. Out of curiosity, I approached the soiled bed, peering down at the parcel. What lay before me was a prize of no measure. Bound tightly by thin rags of varying size, like a babe so pure my heart squeezed and threatened to never start once more. Porcelain skin as perfect as marble stone, held perfectly round cheeks and a perfectly round head. Dark brown locks picked their lazy eyes through the rags and soft waves that would soon grow into soft curls. She was restless and bathed in frustration. My fate moved before my mind commanded them, racing to the bedside, scooping her in my arms. Oceanic eyes peered upon me, and in that moment I knew she was mine. Mine to love, and mine to protect through the test of time. She cooed within my gentle embrace. <sighs> my porcelain angel oddity, melting my normal angst. The daemon that was my paternity returned to cast one last look on my angel and laughed. He claimed that the wreck rope was not his stating that he was incapable of producing the lesser sex. Digging in his pockets, he threw a pound on the bed, claiming, For your troubles, and throw the cringe to the workhouse. With that, he turned, calling me to follow like the dog he knew I was, but I would not yield her from my arms until the whore pried her from them. Looking into the harlot's eyes, all beauty extinguished from years of turmoil and disgrace, she stared blandly. Here can be done for her! She was born of a whore, and she will become a whore. Her words echoed in my mind, following me into fitful sleep. A full day did not pass before I found myself at the gate to hell once more, seeking the ghastly whore. With minimal persuasion, she told me the workhouse where she deposited my angel. Gaining work in the establishment was simple enough. There is always too much work, and not enough hands to complete it. Finding her amongst the heathen filth was another matter. After two days of working, we were finally reunited, never to be unhinged again. Every closing night, I made sure to sit with her, feed and bathe her, and lay her soft curls to sleep. With time she grew, her beauty becoming more evident, and her heart becoming truer to that of my own, I would snake her from her confines to roam the street for oddities, sharing myself with her. Oh, good sir. Those were the best of times, for we were truly discovering what we were soon to become. Her true nature revealed itself when she was the mere age of eight. I had worked the trying day, my bones ate, and a cup of tea and the story of my elders all my heart desired. Yet, it was not what occurred. I arrived at El's roost, discovered her pacing like a kite's beast, limbs coiled tightly, lifts the brow puckered, in both an attractive and unattractive fashion. She thrust herself in my arms, exclaiming, Please liberate me from this hole. I cannot bear it any longer. The little theatrical mites had my tired bones truly once more to accommodate her very wind. Thus, I whisked her away to the alleys, a place amidst the filth of the city, to explore and find the oddities of which I so frequently spoke. It was indeed a rare occurrence for me to take her gallivant at such an hour, 
but as I stated, I was a sapling for her happiness. Most nights, when I permitted her audience, we found little that curbed her growing appetite. Yet tonight, under the full silver moon, we alas for our beauty in which to share, our first among many. However, this one will always remain special between my lady and I. At the alley's end, embedded in the rubbish, lay the rinsed form of a tabby pussycat, its whiskered face frozen in a permanent meow. One golden orb already missing from its hollowed socket, and its fur matted with dirt. It was a thing of beauty to see life preserved in such a specimen, my dear boss. Ellie hosted no hesitation as she skipped to the once proud beast, knelt in the filth, and pulled the thing to her lap, petting and cooing to it as if the beast were still breathing. Under the silver light of the sky, they were beautiful, an image I hold dear to my heart. I knelt beside her, taking solace in her quiet joy. Her petting interrupted, she asked, Thomas, I wish to see it all. All of it? My sweet Ellie, are you sure? I do not think you know of what you ask. I was taken aback by her request. I feared her tiny heart would not be able to cope with the gore she was pressed for me to create. A many bedtime tale had been told to my sweet Elle on my nighttime musings, but for her to witness them in reality, with the possibility of the wonder draining from her eyes, it was a feature I was hesitant to create. I am sure, my Thomas. I am ready. Turning her crisp barrel eyes to me, she pleaded, I can handle what is to come. For if I am to be the same heart as you, I must be able and willing. Show me what it is your heart wishes to create. Show me so that it is no longer for you to bear these hidden creations, but for us to bear. Her words flowed from the lips of a woman much older than her eight-year-old friend. My heart in that moment drowned with the love that at the time I could not place, for I was only at the cusp of manhood, and my heart could not yet identify what I now know as love. Only it felt as though I was a cup overflowed with tea. Thus I showed her it all, her eyes never dimming, but Brian brought it with each decision I made until I felt blinded by their glow. Through the years we escaped the workhouse that chained her by day to explore and find more specimens amidst the cover of night, our collection and skills growing on the bleak and starry moonlight. Elle never created, she did not have the hand for the blade, but she had the vision. And so it came with each creation that I would sell the patterns she envisioned, our efforts creating the most intricate of designs. She convinced me to become a scholar of medicine, one of the small facts the papers did assume correctly, by the way, in order to advance my skills. By day I studied the human form, while she trained to become a seamstress like my mum, in order to avoid working as a common boy like her mum, and by the shadow of night, we used my skills to create our masterpieces. It was the fall of September 1898 when our first real work began. Oh, what a marvellous season it was too. Elle, after a long day at the workhouse, burst through my home, tears marring her porcelain skin. I hate them all! She shouted, her songbird voice piercing my eardrums. And to whom has acquired such a wrath, my dear sweet bird? <laughs> the disgusting hags will blemish our felicity to the whores who stole everything from us. I hate them, Thomas. I hate them with everything I am. Her delicate frame shook. I stood rounding my desk, my case was forgotten for my angel was far, far more important. And what did the hags do to enrage you so, love? I asked, my hands slowly kneading her tight muscles back to a more relaxed position. 
do they need to do more than breathe to enrage me, sweet brother? Have you not forgotten what they have done to your home? What small penance they steal from me daily? Our city would be much fairer without their breed. I do agree, my dear love, but what are we to do? Every day a begotten housewife turns into an ill-begotten whore, their numbers soaring, our pockets growing bare. It was true, as the city grew each day, the vile species of prostitute seemed to fall quicker than a finch, thriving where there should be no morsels for their hungry beaks. My sweet elf, trying her best to provide for herself, was witness to the street hag's ever-growing population. Her beauty a prime target for solicitation from drunken fans and the hatred from the nightly street beasts. Her pocket slowly grew bare as her workload dwindled. Pulling her tight to my body, I paused for a moment to grab myself in the center of her. What is it you'd have me do, love? That simplest of questions, my dear boss, the catalyst of our sweet tale, caused us to venture forth into the night to eliminate the festering filth forevermore. I did not know the first woman we transformed, only that she was a constant drunk my elite despised. A woman so does my elf's beauty she would take terrorizing her for sport. She was a dreadful beast, our first prey. It remains a mystery to myself of her abilities to charm a gentleman to her bedchambers. She was grinding and decaying, her mouth missing five teeth long, creating a mocking smile, most unappealing for a woman in her profession. I learned her easily into the night, with the promise of liquor and high pay for a night. It was most exciting, good sir, to watch her eyes in fright as my righteous blade glowed on the eldest luminous gaze. Her curdled scream lost forever in her fat throat, the same I created, not even allowing a hiss to escape. Show me, my Thomas. Show me, show me all of it. She whispered from the shadows. Her words wrapped me like a swaddled happy babe. I indeed show my ape all of our shrewd Jezebel. I sliced her from jaw down the vertebrae, my knife dipping into her like churn butter. I gifted my dear Ellie the cow's belly, her entrails painting a new embroidery on her pallid dress. When my task was complete, well, my good boss, a true masterpiece which made the whole city weep. The weeks to follow were blissful. In the constant state of glee, with even my bedside manner improved. However, after our glow faded and we were left wild to desire for more, Elle found us another whore within two weeks, her heart blooming with want to practice. And let me tell you, my good sir, this melted my frosted self. I lured another straight urchin to a private location so I may watch my beloved work her first creation. My only regret happened to kiss the beast before she was done. Her hot breath still lingers within my mind, the thought spoiling my mood even now as I write. I held her down as Elle gleefully sliced her throat. And oh, the creation! She even removed her womanhood, brandishing it in the moonlight. Her fingers black as shadow of blood. And her lips, oh my good sir. We shared our first moment of passion there before what we had created. But God saved by one of his own beautiful angels. My El, my truest love. You must know, dear boss, what it is to truly have the love of a pure and honest woman. To covet something so heavenly 
that when it is finally presented to you, all you can muster is to weep before its glory. I wept that night like a babe, my joy overflowed. We basked in the afterglow of our work until the morrow, when reality came for us once more. From the corner of every street, a pig boy shouted of our crime. <laughs> crime? Is it a crime to clean the streets of such guilt? I should have been rewarded, praised. Yet I was crowned a hideous scoundrel. Jack the Bloody Ripper, they called me. What a atrocious name for a being such as I. I was so infuriated, even the kind eyes of my angel could not soothe me. I stalked the streets, eyes open for the next canvas. I would show them, I vowed, show them what scoundrel I could be indeed. I finally found him with the assistance of my beloved. Long lives, what a creature! <laughs> At such an old age, the hag had the nerve to still bought her flesh away as if it were sweet milk. She stole hard-earned money from the hands of my angel, for she too worked by day as a seamstress, which could not stand. Such a creature should not even be allowed to be in the same room as my love. And so I gifted her to my darling. Elle, her excitement, opened her right there in the open streets, daring all to see the work of their blight, Jack the Ripper. We laid her in a bed of filth, legs drawn up like a child, arms open and ready for her transformation. We were drunk with power, dear boss. So drunk we found a second as we trout home. The soft creature thought we wanted to bed her together. Through our ecstasy, we might as well have. Her fingers clutching her petticoat in joyous release as I skewed the swine. I slung her innards over her shoulder, a royal slash mocking my work. I even procured a lung, diseased in fact, and took it home. A trophy rewarding me for the work that I had done. I am still regretful I had allowed Elle to send you my trophy. I was no knightly boogeyman, but a righteous man among peasants who should be rewarded for his kindness. I saved that poor brute from a painful year where she would likely die straddled with some poor slouch indeed. I wanted to see how good old Jackie boy was to his city. But you did not say, did you, sir? But you see now, yes? I'm so happy to have opened your eyes to the truth. What well, I'll tell you next, my dear friend. I've never told a soul. You should consider yourself honored with these last details of my tale. Our radiant moves lasted a tick longer than the last, but only by our hair. The papers still called me a bloody monster. I stood for days over the accusations, my temper swelling my pregnant mind. In those final days, I at last knew of my father's pain, of seeking more where more was never to be gotten. The bastard haunted me with each brandy glass. He laughed in my face each night, and my bed sheets found twisted each morning. And my dear Elle knew of not to ease my troubled self. I was finally home from a long, hard work day. My bones ached from walking from patient to patient, assisting their ill-ridden limps and decaying bones. I desired a brandy and nothing more. To brood in silence is my hatred for my dear Whitechapel sword. To my surprise, I found a note scrawled from my lovely Ellie's elegant hand. It read an address on the opposite side of the city with a single message. Come to me, love a... By our carriage, I flew through the streets, 
my heart racing the closer I came to my destination. I paired the rider to deposit me a block from my true target as not to raise suspicion. My heart in that moment escaped me, fluttering away as I approached the door. I entered the home of the address that Ella provided, a slip of loft in the most hideous part of the city. A candle illuminated the dancing frames upon the wall, a dance which I had yet to see with two such players. You were like unfair kittens. They beckoned me to the falls with elegant fingers. I was drawn to their flame, but they presented me to their side without much hesitation. Ella positioned herself behind the girl, her milky fingers struck in the other woman's neck. The woman, a young attractive blonde, her skin blending seamlessly with Elle's own, causing pause as I did not know where one ended and the other began. Her bright blue eyes peered up at me briefly before closing in in contented euphoria as Elle dipped her hands to cut her small breasts, her peach lips suckling at the woman's night. They tumbled toward me in a giggling heap as I sat upon the bed, still too short to register what my role was to be. Elle's eyes were blazing brighter than I had ever seen. And my god, man, I could feel myself burn with equal fire as I sit here and think of how she managed to capture my soul within that moment, telling me she wanted to give me all that I desired and more. How could a mere mortal man deny such a gift? I am filled with a renewed excitement that this parchment can hardly convey. She pulled my face into her delicate hands, so tender upon my cheeks, and whispered, a gift, my fiendish love, myself, and a beast to pay as you ticed my flesh upon your lips. A kiss could be compared to ambrosia, a fate no mortal mind could comprehend. I took her into my arms, the hag momentarily forgotten, as I truly tasted her for the first time. Her lips, the few which bind us closer to the sun than Icarus himself. I do admit it is no small stunt to share a bed with two women. However, the hag's constant touches quivering my body in the most unpleasant fashion, only Elle can remedy with her own brand of quenching caresses. My dear Elle took the most of the young girl's handling, which I was truly grateful for in the end. As we began to climax, Elle with her small portion of frame held firm against my body, the beast lying in, withering ecstasy below us, we began our second act. Elle pulled my long carving blade from between the cot and the frame, hidden safely from view. She pulled my hands from her hips, placing one on top of her hands and the other on top of her breast over her heart, and together we sliced the beast's throat, her blood decorating the adjacent walls of her hobbled home. We climaxed as one as the light left her eyes filling us with the hunger we had never known. We used our force hunger to create such a work. Well, your own eyes saw our masterpiece. It was the finest work yet, a true work of art glorifying our love. Her blood coated every surface our limbs had to offer. We painted the story of our love throughout that space. Her extremities, the hardship we both endured. As we lay on the floor, our heaving bodies glistening from our most natural materials scattered artfully around us, I finally felt complete. So you see, dear boss, the love of a truly good woman can transform one into the man he is meant to be. Finally happy with my angel love, he chose to leave our filthy city, our work speaking for itself. And how did it speak? <laughs>
Admirers from all corners of the city tried to replicate my work. I'll be flattered, my humble soul. I even heard you thought you found me lying dead amongst the disturbed souls of the asylum. But alas, I am here. Right to you from the grave. Oh, the irony, old man. El and I retired to the silent college in the country. We even had a son, who we humorously named Jack. He is quite the artist himself, but I am sure in time you shall know that as well. I leave you in closing, hoping to have given you the answers that you seek. If you were ever clever enough to finally acquire my identity, I desire nothing more than my letter finding you relief as well as finding you wisdom in which you may share with the world. My work, a mere daydream brought into the present, I hope to live on longer than my body is able to stay tethered to this plane, to inspire young artists everywhere to create the greatest of works that their heart aspires. All one needs is a little angel by their side. Sincerely yours, Jack the Bloody Ripper. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard Dear Boss, written by Naomi Richards and narrated by Sean Moreau and Naomi Richards. Like what you hear this week? Pass us along to another traveler or leave us a review on Apple Podcast at themorbidforest at gmail.com or follow us along on Instagram at themorbidforest. And hey, looking for a new podcast to listen to? Check out our friends, The Ladies of Strange. The Ladies of Strange is a comedy podcast where they talk about everything from true crime, paranormal, conspiracy, and anything else you find questionable, odd, and eerie. Sit down with them every Thursday for a story presented by one of their hosts and learn with them that everyone has something they find strange. So let them tell you about it at The Ladies of Strange. (laughs) And we'll see you next week, travelers, on... The Morbid Forest.